You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, episode 101. And today we're going to be discussing the topic, are the riches really in the niches? Let's find out. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Samantha Riley, and after being in business for 20 years, I took the leap of faith from a traditional bricks and mortar business into the online world and created a business based around my expertise. Now I have a life that gives me the freedom to work wherever I have an internet connection. I'm now obsessed with helping the unheard experts who are brilliant at what they do but feel like the world's best kept secret transform to influential thought leaders, all while creating a business which gives them the freedom to create their life by design. Join me as we explore the strategies that you can implement to create and grow a business based on your expertise. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I am your host, Samantha Riley, and today I'm interviewing Tyson Franklin. Now, this is actually a bit of a funny story, as you'll hear at the beginning of the interview, but Tyson is a fellow Aussie, and we connected when we found out that we're both going to the US in September, September 6 and 7 actually, in Atlantic City to attend the Mid-Atlantic Podcast Conference. Now, if you want to find out more about that, go to podcastmidatlantic.com. You can attend and also there are virtual tickets. But Anyway, we connected because we're both going to the conference. We're both speaking at the conference. I'm also doing a a half-day workshop with the host of that event, Joe Pardo, and we're running an Elevate Your Podcast workshop. And so anyway, connected with Tyson and for the first time in recording over 200 podcast episodes, I deleted it by accident. And of all the people, we were having such a laugh, of all the people, you know, both being podcasters, it was his episode that I actually deleted. So this episode that I bring you today is actually our second interview, which we both agreed was better than the first one. So the universe obviously had its eye on us to do this again, and we had a great conversation around the mistakes that it actually started off talking about the mistakes that we make in our business. It was, I think this is a fantastic episode. It's so real and raw. Now, Tyson Franklin is a business veteran for the past or over the past 30 years. He's opened, sold and taken over more than 20 podiatry businesses. He's won numerous business awards, authored two books and hosts two podcasts, The first one, It's No Secret with Dr. T, which I was interviewed on that on episode 169, and we'll link that up in the show notes for you. But he also has the Podiatry Legends podcast. He's a fellow Aussie. He lives up in Cairns in Queensland. This was a great conversation, like I said, real and raw about some of the mistakes that happen in business. So... We uh, we talked about that. We also talked about the riches in the niches and he's got some awesome conversations and shared some awesome stories about that. So let's welcome into the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Tyson Franklin. Uh, welcome to the show, Tyson. It's so great to have you joining me here today. This is fun to be here. It feels like we've done this before, but... Um... Well, <laughs> okay, I'll fess up. 
We Best have up. done this before and I accidentally deleted the episode. <laughs> so Tyson has so beautifully said he would come and do this again without any complaints about, actually, you didn't even really pay me out at all. No, no, not until now. I was going to say, I'm sure something's coming. <laughs> but it's, uh, no, it's one of those things. I think it shows the human side of what we do, whether you're coaching other people, even as a business coach doesn't mean we have doesn't mean we have every answer and it doesn't mean we don't make mistakes and we're not still learning and I think it's something really important for anyone in business to understand that that you're allowed to make mistakes you don't have to be perfect if you make a mistake don't hide it let your team see that you know what even I make mistakes yeah and, I, I really uh, love that and I think to add on to that once I'd realized that it happened I just reached out and was so honest you know and I think that that's probably the next part of that that little lesson is don't try and pretend that it's something it's not. I could have said my computer crashed or, you know, I could have made up some excuse, but I just went, I have accidentally deleted our episode. I'm really sorry. I understand if you're too busy to not record this again, but I would really love you to come back on the show. So but here we said, are. <laughs> but then I said to you, normally I always record from my end as well, just as a backup. And I didn't do the same. I didn't do it either. I know. When so, you said that, I was like, how bizarre. That, that was obviously something magical is going to happen today. That yeah, I know definitely. that. Well, I think that opening comment, we didn't talk about that last time that we did not. you're allowed to make mistakes and, yeah. and that's okay. And as long as you, you learn from it, you put things in place to hopefully minimize that happening again. And it doesn't mean it won't happen again. It's just your, I was talking to someone, I was talking to a coach who coach coaches the other day and he was talking about clients of his that when they're going on holidays uh -huh. and he said, sometimes your clients may say to you, oh, I don't know if I really should, you know, this pay for coaching, you know, because I'm going to be away for a month. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But he said, what you need them to understand is you need to, the best thing about that, you want them to go away on holidays. Yes. Because if they go away on holidays, what they should do before they go away on holidays is write a list of things down on what they think will break and in what order. Oh, my goodness. How good a tip is that? That is brilliant. I've never heard that before. Oh, did you hear that in my voice? So excited. <laughs> I know. Neither had I. And it wasn't exactly the words that he used, but that was how it was processed in my head is uh -huh. before you go on holidays, write a list of all the things that will probably go wrong and in what order. And then when you come back, go and have a look. And you might find some of those things didn't happen because you have the right systems in place. Uh -huh. But other things did break. Now it's your opportunity to fix them up. And then go and take another holiday and see if they can break them again. And if they, and what you'll find is every time you go away on holiday, they'll only break half the amount. Yeah. So your goal each time is your goal is to constantly keep taking holidays. And you might start with a you know a two, three, or four day long weekend, and then you might start with one week, and then start two weeks, and then gradually work up to that four week holiday. But by the time you get to that. As they're breaking things, you're fixing them, breaking things, fixing them. The breakages will get smaller and smaller until very few problems will ever occur. I absolutely love that. And I know that for me, going away also forces you to put things into place because putting systems and procedures into place isn't always easy. And in fact, sometimes it's really, you know, harder than it should be. And in often, you know, oftentimes you're super busy and it's really, it's really tricky to get them to work. And I know that when I go away, it's, it's always just forces your hand to make sure that whatever that next system and procedure is, has been put in place before you go. Well, how hard do we work leading up to a holiday? I remember, so let's go back to, and I can remember it, 2005. That was the first time I'd ever taken four weeks out of my business and yeah. it was a big deal. We were going overseas. 
and it got to the week before. Actually, it must have been a bit closer, maybe even like four or five days before. And we lost one of our full timers, the one, you know, the person that looked after our our shop during the day. And I remember saying to my business partner then, I don't think we should go. And he looked at me and he said, uh, there is no way we're cancelling this. We'll yeah. just make it work. And it did. And the things broke because we put someone in that had been only working with us for like three weeks that was looking after the shop in the day. But yeah, I think yeah. we ended up like with one customer complaint. And in actual fact, because most of our, cl- our customers were regulars, most of them helped her out because they knew that was helping us out. It <laughs> was really it cool. <laughs> we created a uh, disaster folder. So I had a folder set up and it was titled disaster folder. And it was pretty much over the years, every time something broke and went wrong, how did we fix it? And what was the quickest way of actually doing it? And we, we had it right down to yeah, you turn up at work and the power's out. Yeah. It's everyone just standing around you know, like chickens just looking at each other going, oh, what did we do? Cluck, cluck. Yeah, yeah. They just went, power's out. This is the process. Bang, bang, bang. You turn up, the emails aren't working or there's no internet. Bang, bang, bang. This is what we do. All of a sudden, there's an area that gets flooded. Who's your plumber? Who is the electrician? Yeah, all your handyman things all there. But more things like you rock up to work and the receptionist had a car accident on the way to work. And there is no, there's no one at the front reception. Yeah. What is the steps that you're going to take to make the day easier? And, you know, I had a podiatry clinic. So what happens if there's 20 patients booked in and the podiatrist has rung up at 8.29, one minute before the first patient, I can't come in. You know, I'm sick. Yeah. You know, I've never been that sick. And what do you do? And in what order? And it's not just what do you do? It's what order do you do them in to make the day as easy as possible and to put less stress on your patients, clients, or customers. So that was that was a really cool thing that we set up over a number of years until I felt really comfortable. I could go away on a holiday and very minimal problems were ever going to happen. And I wasn't going to get emails every day while I was away. Ah, uh, because that, that's the next thing, right? You don't want that to happen. But how cool is this? We've just jumped straight into this episode and talked yes. about something that we didn't even talk about last time. Before we go any further, everyone can already hear that you have been in business for a while. I'd love you to share what you're doing now. Let's start there before we even go back backwards. What are you doing now? Who are the clients that you work with? Most of the clients I work with now are podiatrists who are setting up, you know, have, are in business for themselves or who've just started off and I do business coaching and mentoring for podiatrists. And obviously you've had a podiatry clinic of your own. This is... I know this because I've interviewed you before. It's just that no one else has heard this. I know. So, okay. So, over a 30-year period, I opened, closed, relocated, took over and sold about 20 podiatry businesses. So, it was a lot of fun. And I learned every single time I did one, I learned something from it. And there were always new obstacles. No two premises are the same. No two locations are the same. So, there was probably... It's like the 80-20 rule. 80% was all the same. And that 20% was what made it interesting. So I used to really just love starting them off, finding a new location, working with the builders, fitting it out, putting all the systems in place, doing all the marketing, building it up. And I just absolutely loved it. And what happened is I had people coming to me all the time saying, hey, Tyson, how did you do this? I'd be at a conference. How did you do that? I see you've got five clinics spread over 1,800 kilometers. How do you run them? You must have good systems in place. So as this went on, and then we won uh, Telstra Business Award, which is pretty cool. That is super cool. Congratulations. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, Unexpected, but fun. And that was when I decided 
instead of just keep giving people advice all the time, I should be charging them. So I started doing a little bit of business coaching. And then I decided to write the book called This No Secret, There's Money in Podiatry. Mm-hmm. And that went really, really well. And then I wrote the second book, uh, It's No Secret, There's Money in Small Business. Uh-huh. And, and that was sort of, it's pretty much the first book with all the podiatry stuff taken out, pump full of steroids, three years of extra business information that I'd picked up. So it's a, I feel it's a better book than the first book, uh-huh. but the first book still sells three times more than the second book. Now, this is something I want to dive into. Actually, yes. Renee Hasseldine and I were talking about you on her podcast the other day. Okay, um, yeah. Because I actually said, oh, I just interviewed this guy and we were talk about, talking about niching and she went, that wasn't Tyson Franklin, was it? <laughs> 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 you started off with podiatry and you, that was, that's a pretty tight niche. Yeah. And then you wrote the next book that was even better for small business. And we, we both know that that book can help any small business owner because I think that anyone that understands business understands that the principles are the same. Yeah. Yet it, it wasn't picked up as much. And I think that this is a problem that so many people have is that they have a passion in lots of different things. So they paint a very wide picture rather than niching or niching down. And you tried that. And apart from the book not doing as well, what else did you learn about doing that? And what had you going back to working with podiatrists? Well, I'll take you through the order. So I wrote the first book. Yeah, it's no secret there's money in podiatry. Then I wrote the second book. It's no secret there's money in small business. I thought, I want to have a podcast. I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I thought, this, I've just always loved audio. It's just something about it I really enjoy. I love talking to people. Love to talk if you haven't figured that out. <laughs> So I set up It's No Secret with Dr. T. That was the name of my first podcast. Uh-huh. Going along pretty well. But then what I realized is in my first book, in my second book, and a lot of the guests that I had, and when I'm talking, I'm always talking about finding your niche uh-huh. and driving down into it. That's what the money is in the niche. Yeah. And I thought, the, ri- the riches are in the niches. Riches are in the niches. Yes. Yeah. So I'm thinking, and then I was looking at my first book is selling three times more than the second book, but the second book's a better book. But it's in such a broad category of small business. So why why did I do that? I'm telling everybody to get into a, a niche, but I've, I've gone outside of the niche. So then I did the second podcast, uh, Podiatry Legends podcast. All of a sudden, the Podiatry Legends podcast has three times more downloads than It's No Secret with Dr. T. Yeah. And I'm like, what have I been doing? This is just crazy. I've, I think it's an ego thing. I really believe it's an oh. ego thing that went off in my head. Tell me more about that. That... What's okay to explain it in the podiatry world? I was always slightly frowned upon because a lot of people in podiatry used to say, I Tyson, you're too focused on business, not podiatry. You're, you're, oh, that's terrible. (laughs) You're a business person, not a podiatrist. And that used to really hurt me. Then in the business world, people would say to me, Oh, you're a podiatrist, not a business person. The reason you're doing well is because you're a podiatrist, you're not really a business person. I'm going, It's still a business. Uh-huh. And so I think my ego got in the way and I was trying to prove to people, I know I am a business person, so I'm going to pre- prove to you I'm a business person by going into the business world and taking everybody else head on. But then you realize it's a really crowded, crowded, noisy place. It's a noisy place. Whereas podiatry, when I looked up, how many podiatry podcasts are there? Uh-huh. One. Really? Yeah. There's, oh, there was, there's some that have been doing videos and have stripped some of the, the audio out and uh-huh. created uh-huh a podcast from it, but there were no podiatry business podcasts. Wow. That's just crazy. Why hasn't anyone done this? Yeah. So, and that's why, that's why I started it. When I wrote my book, The uh, it's no Secret, There's Money in Podiatry, there were no podiatry business books written. Wow. There's a few more now, but 
which I think is great. I think the more the more people write books, the more I keep encouraging people to start another podiatry podcast. Just because I started one doesn't mean you can't have another one. Yeah, yeah. What we're giving is more information, and people might someone would listen to you on a podcast and go, "I just love listening to Sam talk. I love her guests, and they will listen to every single episode." Now, I could have an identical podcast, but they might hear me and go. Yeah, no, just, I just don't really resonate with Tyson. Absolutely. So I think if there's somebody already in your in the niche that you want to go into, don't be afraid that somebody's there before you. Just go in there and give it your own little thing. Give it your voice. And yeah. Then people, so then what happened, I have a mindset coach that I do a lot of work with, which <laughs> I need a lot of work. <laughs> well, hey, in all fairness, we all do. <laughs> and then I was saying to her, oh, yeah, a lot of, because this is going back, say, 12 months ago, a lot of podiatrists still look at me, I'm just a business person. She went, is, is that really true? I went, oh, what do you mean? She went, so every podiatrist looks at you that way. Or is it just some podiatrists? I went, oh, okay, probably some. She goes, you know what, there's probably some podiatrists out there too who love the way you speak, love your attitude, like it that you don't follow all the rules, that you ruffle feathers that you, know, you think outside the box and that's they, they want to work with you for that particular reason. And when I started to embrace that, then all of a sudden I'm starting to gain a bit of momentum. And what's funny is now that I'm focusing more just on podiatry, I'm getting invited to speak at other places outside of podiatry. Ah, <laughs> so you had to go backwards to go forwards. Yeah. I think that's super cool. And I want to go back and just sort of touch on the, you know, what you were talking about with the way that we are unique. And I think that that's something that everyone really needs to tap into because I had a friend who is a male and at the time that we had this conversation, he was under 30 and I'm obviously female and over 40. And what we were doing on paper was almost identical. And one night we were sitting down and he's just like, oh, Sam, what are you up to? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing this, this and this. And I said, oh, what are you doing? And he said, oh, this, this and this. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, that sounds like he's doing something similar to me. He's really awesome at what he does. I don't think I'm going to do my thing. I think I'm going to choose something else. And then he told me afterwards that at that time he was sitting there going, oh, Sam's doing that. She's really awesome at what she does. Maybe I won't do that. And, you know, the funny thing is that both of us never went forward with what we had talked about that night because both of us thought the other person was, you know, better than us. Now, really, and th- this happened over a bottle of wine the next time we spoke, what person that connects with an under 30 guy is going to connect with an over 40 female in the same way? It's not going to happen. No. So if we both had have done exactly the same thing, we both would have attracted different people. And in actual fact, what we would have done, even though it was exactly the same on paper, would have not been even close to the same once we've delivered it because we've got our own unique perspective, our unique experience, uh, we're very different personality types. It never would have been the same anyway. So I think that that's, you know, a really great story that you've told because even if there was 15 podiatry podcasts, they're all going to be different and attracted to different people or different people will be attracted to them. Yeah, and, and if you look at the podiatry market, there's 5,500 podiatrists in Australia. Mm-hmm. So how many do I want to work with? I can't work with five and a half thousand. Yeah. So when you when you look at how big the market is and you only really need a small part of that market, there's going to be a small part that are going to want to work with me. Yeah. And that I want to work with them as well. Yeah. And what's even more exciting is how many how many podiatrists are in the whole world. Yeah. And, you know, we, we can be attracting clients from all over the world and Australia is such a tiny market really in the scheme of things. And, you know, 
you can take an even littler bite out of that market because there's a whole world of podiatrists out there. Yeah, well, I was talking to someone once and they were thinking about setting up their practice in a particular town. And they went, oh, I've sort of been put off of setting up there because, well, actually, this is someone that used to work with me and I helped them set up their practice. And we were looking at, I won't say the town, but we were looking at this particular town. She went, I'm not sure whether I should set up there because there's already three three podiatrists there, but there's just one podiatrist clinic that is huge. Mm-hmm. has about six or eight podiatrists. They just absolutely own the market. Mm-hmm. And I went, take them on. I said, if their clinic is that big, that means it's it's a busy town and there's a big call for podiatry. I said, so go in there, set up and just do it the way that you do it and you will attract patients to you. She did it and just absolutely cleaned up. Just that, so did, well. Did you give her that advice because you knew the sort of person that she was? And I asked that because if it was someone that was a bit or not really confident in their abilities, could that have been like a nail in the coffin? Uh, if, if I wasn't confident that she could do it, I would have told her not to do it. Yeah. Because I think even just to own your own business, there's, there's a certain mentality and, and work ethic that goes along with having your own business. Mm-hmm. And I know there's certain people that are, say, podiatrists and other professions that they should never have their own business. They should always just work for somebody else because they don't really have that work ethic. Yeah. Yeah, they're, in, as an empl- they're a lazy employee. Yeah. And if I'm you're a lazy about, employee, it ain't going to work in business. Yeah, some people go, oh, I'm going to set up my own business because, yeah, I'm, I'm smarter than the other person uh-huh. or, yeah, I think I can do it better. I'm going, well, rocking up at nine and leaving at five and not doing anything between then and nine o'clock the next morning doesn't show that you've got the work ethic to actually have your own business. Most people that I know that are employees that end up having successful businesses, when the clock stopped, they didn't. They were still working afterwards, making sure work was done, looking after their patients and clients. And they were doing it not because they were on the clock. They were doing it because that's what they did. You know, you take that and put that in your own business and you give that much care and attention to your patients, clients and customers. You can't help but be successful. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love your take on work-life balance because you and I have just definitely agreed that to be a business owner, there is a much different level of commitment. How was it for you personally? Because obviously with that many podiatry clinics, you would have worked... A huge amount of hours, I'm guessing. It's one of those things, I think, when you're, when you're younger and you don't have children and you, you may or may not have a partner, I believe you should really work hard. I mm. just believe while you've got the time and you've got the energy and you've got your health is you really need to work hard. You need, also need to allow time to switch off. You need to be playing some form of sport. You need to be staying fit and healthy because you can't maintain that sort of mental energy. But for me, work was fun. Yeah. So if somebody said to me, oh, what are you going to do on Sunday? If, if I had four hours spare and I could sit down and work on a marketing plan, I got so much enjoyment out of that that it didn't feel like work. But yeah. then when I got married, I had to make a few adjustments. Having children, you've got to make more adjustments and you've got to sometimes a little selfish voice in your head, ah, I want to do my own thing. But it's it's starting, you've got to then start making compromise. But you hope you've done all the work beforehand. Mm. So if somebody is married, got kids, and they're thinking of starting their own business, I think as long as they have a really good open line of communication with their family, then they can still work extra. But I think at some point you've got to you think you have to work out why you're doing it in the first place and then mm. not forget why you're doing it. I, I think th- that's actually the biggest piece. Yeah. Because there's peaks and troughs in every business. There are some times where you're working crazy amounts of hours and there's some times where you can manage to take a lot of time off or a lot of time out. 
and you have to understand that. I think there's a lot of people that think that, you know, they want to work this many hours consistently all the time and it just doesn't happen like that because there might be an event coming up or, you know, there might be some sort of program that you're rolling out or, you know, different businesses are seasonal and we have to understand that, that there's seasons in our business of, of being busy. And for me, I'm very aware of those in my calendar so that the, if I come out of a launch or I come out of an event season to make sure I've got a few weeks off where I'm really spending a lot of time on self-care so that I don't burn out. Yeah, and I think if you've got children, your children deserve your time. Yeah. They, they, they really do. They need your time. So like my daughter does a lot of dancing. If she has a dance concert on, I make sure that, that I bust my bum to make sure I'm there. Yeah. And, and have I made every single one? No, but I make every effort to get there. Unless I've had something booked in beforehand, which I cannot change, and then a date of a dance concert has been put in afterwards, then we're all on the same page with that. But if the dance concert's in first, I will not book anything in over the top of that. that yeah. That is the priority. It's the same as I think as you get older too, I think you appreciate that you've got to stay, you've got to watch what you're eating. You've got to stay, you've got to be doing some form of activity. To You've got to stay fit and healthy. Yeah, totally. And yeah, definitely as you get older. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> For anyone that didn't see that, I just looked down, yeah. I, I mean, I've come from a, a background of dance and, and fitness. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so I, I understand the whole dance concert thing. But definitely I noticed that when I left those industries that – it was very easy to sit in front of a computer and not move for days on end. Yeah. And over the last few years, I've just been like, okay, we have to pick, we have to take this back that I'm always going to be busy. And in actual fact, I need to make time in my day to go and train, not say I'm too busy to train. It's priorities. It's what am I going to put in there as a non-negotiable, which is always my training, making sure that I eat properly, all of those things. They're non-negotiables now, not the other way around. Today's episode is brought to you by Business Freedom Mastermind. Now, if you're an entrepreneur or business owner who is ready for more income, more freedom, more impact, but you're stuck and not sure how to make it happen, then this exclusive one-day mastermind event is for you. Now, there's a strict limit of just 10 attendees where we do nothing but talk business, plan for growth, create lasting relationships, and establish accountability for each and every entrepreneur at the table. And you'll get a chance to share what you're doing, the challenges you're facing, and you'll get the personal feedback that you need to move forward and get different results. So head on over to businessfreedommastermind.com for more details. Yeah, a good tip somebody said once is when you're saying yes to one thing, what else are you saying no to? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, and that's always, so if you're if somebody says, oh, can you do a talk here, for example, you go, yes, I can do that. To say yes there, you must be saying no to something else. Yes. Whether it's free time to yourself, free time with your family, is it a, another, you know, have you got two events and you're tossing up which is going to be the best one for you? But every time you say yes, you are, you are also saying no to something else. And you've got to be aware of that, of how many times you say yes. Sometimes you've just got to say no. Yeah. And I think that the further you get into your business, the more you have to say no. I discussed this on a podcast episode um, with my Thursday co-host, Tim Hyde. We were having this conversation and we were saying that, you know, at the beginning of your business, you do need to say yes a bit more because you need the opportunities to be in front yeah. of people or you need to figure out which clients you're working with. But as your business starts to stabilise, there needs to be a lot more, no, I can't do that. Yeah, I had a, 
in Cairns, there's this organization and they asked me to do a couple of talks for them. So I did, yeah, and they're a nonprofit organization. So I did about three or four talks for them and they weren't to my target market, but Mm -hmm. the information I was sharing was valuable for them. Mm -hmm. So I said, yes, 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 yes. Then on about the fifth time, I just went, I can't do it. I said, I don't mind helping out, but I cannot keep giving up my time when it's not my target market. I'm not being paid. I put in time and effort getting prepared for it. I'm sorry, but I can't do it. Now, even though they're non-for-profit, I know the people running it still get paid for running it. And then they came back to me six or eight weeks later and they said, oh, can you do these two talks here and here? And we're going to pay you this amount. I said, yes. And it wasn't what they were paying me. It was an exorbitant amount, but it was still just acknowledging that my time, there, there is value on my time. Yeah. So I think if you, I think like you said, you need to say yes a few times. I think especially speaking gigs. Definitely. If you want to get better at speaking, you've got to speak. Yeah. And if you haven't done much speaking, you can't expect people to pay you a lot of money to speak. If they've never seen you speak and you're not very good at it, you've got to yep. get better. But I think yep. once you get to a certain point where you're pretty good at what you do, you're adding value every time you talk, you know, people are walking away with that information and making a ton of money from it. Mm-hmm. Then at some point you should be paid for your time. Yeah. Totally. I want to go back to the the niche or the niche topic because this is something that you have got so much value to give it through what you've been through. So thanks for that. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) You were saying that you spoke to your your coach and you were saying how everybody said that, which is like a whole other topic in itself. I'm sure we've all been there. Was it her that made you like flick that switch at that point in time or had you already been thinking, oh, maybe, maybe I should be moving down this podiatrist path? I was probably already thinking it. I just needed someone to convince me that what I was thinking was correct. But even in podiatry, when I had my podiatry clinic, you know, like podiatry is you know, a broad scope and it's this general podiatry. Mm-hmm. But I, I really niched down my podiatry clinic into one specific area of podiatry and did it faster and better than anybody else, which is why my business grew. So I was already so in tune with niching down uh-huh. that, like I said before, I think my ego said, no, the world is your oyster, world domination. Yeah, you deserve bigger and better. And so it was like a struggle going on in my head, but I think, and I think this is why people need to have business coaches or mindset coaches is a coach can't do the work for you, but they just help draw out the answers that you know are probably already there and they keep you accountable to taking action because yeah, some people say, oh, when I'm motivated, I'll take action. And it actually works in reverse. If you take action, you will get motivated. So I think that's something that we tend to forget. So that's, that's where the mindset coach helped me where I'm talking through things and then she's questioning my thinking. Yeah. Oh, so that's interesting. Why do you think that way? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You're right. And it was funny. I've been working with her now about five years, I think. Uh-huh. And which is a long time to have uh, one that is. coach. And every two weeks for the last five years, I've been doing this. Wow. And my wife just goes, I don't understand why. I said, because there's things I cannot talk to you about as well. Yeah, that's exactly that right. I need a sounding board. I need to throw out an idea. And is this a good idea or is it just, yeah, because I can, sometimes I can tell my wife 10 ideas and nine times out of 10, she'll go, yeah, shrug her shoulders. And just give me, <laughs> that's give me, nice, Tyson. Yeah, give me that look. Oh, this is, a, <laughs> this is another idea that you've got. And every now and then you'll say an idea and she'll go, oh, that's actually a good idea. When I say it to the business coach, we, it's not just a shrug of the shoulders or a roll of the eyes. It's let's dig into it a little bit more. And then as we dig into it, I'm the one that makes the decision that goes, I, I start rolling my eyes and shrugging my shoulders and go, oh, geez. <laughs> when I really think about it that much, it's not really worth putting effort into. Yeah. 
My latest idea was because podiatry is where I'm sort of targeting now is I've always been like Tyson Franklin on my website. It's TysonFranklin.com. So it's always been, that's where you find me. That's where my podcasts are. My, yeah, if you wanted to book me for a speaking gig, all that type of thing. Uh-huh. And, but I've been trying to find a business name to explain what it is that I do. That's outside of Tyson Franklin. Uh-huh. And then I finally came up with a name. So I threw it out to the business coach, uh, to the mindset coach. I said, what do you think of this? It's my business name. And she just shook her head and said, how has it taken you this long to come up with that? She said, it's such a good business name. And the business name is called Podiatry Marketing. <laughs> oh, do you Tyson, know? what do you do? Podiatry Marketing. I help podiatrists market their businesses and put systems and all that in the background and, and build the business. But that is such a simple name. I don't have to think. People... I came up with these other business names down the track and every time I came up with them, I still had to explain to people what it meant. Uh-huh. But podiatry marketing is what I do. So the business name is going to be podiatry marketing. So yeah, I'm building a new website at the moment called podiatrymarketing.com.au. It's not out yet, but it will be in the next uh, two months or so. Wow. I love that. And I think that that's funnily enough, something we were talking about on a group coaching call that I was on this morning with my business success Academy clients. I said that it takes a long time to get something so that it's so simple. By you just going down that path and getting there and talking it through till it, till it is simple, that's what most people don't do. So getting to that simplicity is the hardest thing, but it's also what a lot of people don't do, which will have you standing out. And I mean, you couldn't get much more simple than podiatry marketing. That, that's about as simple <laughs> as you can get. <laughs> I know. And there's, all, there's, there's a lot of other coaching groups out there and they're, they're called, they've got these like fancy names, but you would still have to ask them, well, what do you specifically do? Yeah. Because they have to explain it. Yeah. And when I came up with that, I went, oh, somebody has to have had that. Somebody, that must be registered somewhere. And it wasn't. And that's where incredible. Sometimes the best answer is the simplest answer. Yeah. But we need other people to help us to get to that point. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. I think if you come up with an idea and you go, this is a great idea and you just run with it and you do not share it with anybody else, you're crazy because sometimes they say, you know, good ideas get in the way of great ideas. Yes. And that's what I'd been doing over a number of years. I had all these good ideas and I'd slightly run with them, but after about six months, I'm going, yeah, it's not really working. And so prior to that, the name that I was going to run with was called Sound Content. Okay. And what it was, I was creating content for, you know, say, podiatrists and health professionals. And, but it was still all, it was really based around marketing, yep. but using the written word, using audio and creating sound content. Uh-huh. But whenever I explain the business name to someone, I say, oh, I, yeah, my business is Sound Content. Oh, what's that? And I try and I got to the point after a few months of trying to explain it and I said to my mindset coach, this isn't working. Yeah. I said, I've got to, ch- I've got to change the name. It's just not working. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's going to be the transition, podiatry marketing. How simple is that? It is super simple and I love it. But what you just said there, I want to go back and shine a light on because you had this idea that sounded great in your head. Yes. And unless you had have shared that with people, you wouldn't have known that it wasn't going to work. And I feel that so many people don't share their ideas and they, you know, they get into this perfectionist mindset of when it's perfect, I'll share it. But in actual fact, when we have that first idea, we need to share it to get it to closer to perfect. I don't actually believe there is perfect because what's perfect for you is not perfect for me, right? So I don't actually believe in being perfect at all. But if we don't share it, we don't get the feedback from the people that are actually going to spend money with us. Yeah, and I think... 
the, especially with the name podiatry marketing, could there be a better name? There might be, but at, right at this point, right, right now, now, that's now pretty good. <laughs> right now, I'm thinking it's pretty damn good. So if somebody was listening to this and they um they do work with people in gyms, gym marketing, yeah, yeah. if they if they did work with people that are, uh, are bakers or plumbers, plumber marketing, baker marketing, you know, like they those words might be taken, but if you really want to niche down and and whatever it is that you do, yeah, it could be. Coaching for bakers. What do you do? I do coaching for bakers. It's it's pretty simple. Yeah. Whereas I think we try and come up with these really fancy clever names that just sound really sexy. Yeah. But the words we come up with don't really have the meaning. And I was sitting down with these clients who were dentists actually, and they were trying to come up with a new business name for their for their dental clinic. And we did the same thing. We just went through all these different words that they were using and they were trying to come up with things that were just too fancy. Uh-huh. And when we just broke it down to, to what it was that they did and just tagged on a word, all of a sudden it just fell into place. And they went, oh, wow. oh that is good. We like that. And I said, well, run it past a few other people and just see what you come up with. And then that's the one that they stuck with. Love it. So that's a really good tip there of, of working with those words that other people are using. For someone that's listening right now and they're afraid to niche down, because I think that a lot of people are afraid to niche down because they feel that they're not going to get the clients, get the number of clients that they need. I think that's the biggest reason that, that most people are afraid to. What are some tips you could give them, like three tips now to help them work through whether it's worth niching down and what that niche could be? Well, to give you an example, if I use podiatry as an example, mm-hmm. you can have a podiatry clinic, you can have a sports podiatry clinic, okay? So that's niche down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But you could be a sports podiatry clinic that focuses on triathletes. Mm-hmm. So that's niching it down even further. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody who's already got that niche, you could be a, a sports podiatry clinic that works with female triathletes down even even further. Now, getting back to your question, people get scared of, of actually doing it. I think if you have a look at the clients that you already have, there will probably be a common denominator between them. And if you look at them all as a group, you'll probably find there'll be a, a certain amount where you're probably making most money from mm-hmm. and the ones that you get the most enjoyment from. And then you're just going to go and find more of them. There'll be, there'll be something about them that is your niche. You just mm. It could be an age group. It could be a, a certain profession you know, or, or occupation. Yeah, I, I think if you dig down into the, what you've already got and what you and also combine it with what you really enjoy and then you just keep pushing it. And, and I think it's don't be scared. Like if you're really targeting your niche, you're still going to get other people. Yeah, that's, that's exactly that, right. I always say if you've got a dartboard there and I give you 10 darts and I say pretend the bullseye is your ideal client, you know, aim for the bullseye. And you've got a certain skill level throwing darts, you're not going to just hit the wall. But if you're aiming for that bullseye, out of the 10 darts, you might hit, not one of them might hit the bullseye, but you're going to get a lot closer to the bullseye if that's what you're targeting. But you're going to get all these darts around the outside. So if you're targeting a specific client who's the bullseye, you may not get them, but you're going to get extremely close to that group of people if that's who you're, you're targeting towards. And then you will get the odd stray one, yeah, that you are, uh, you know. The wall. <laughs> yeah, you'll get the wall that you go. How did, how, did that, how did that wall sneak in here? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great metaphor. I really like that. I haven't heard that before. That's fantastic. So finally, what has it meant for your business to niche down into what you're doing now? Because you're uh, obviously a very successful businessman and can help, you know, people in business anywhere, which is, you know, the crazy thing, right? It's not that you can't do it. You're actually really good at it. 
but niching down, what does it mean? I speak their language, which has been very helpful. So I, I do a lot of work with dentists as well, working with this dental group. Really enjoy, I really enjoy doing it. The only thing is when I'm working with podiatrists, I actually speak their language. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand it. But the other part is they're easier to find. I know where they all hang out. Yeah. So if I was just targeting business people in general, okay, you could go to a networking event. At that networking event, there might be 100 people. There might be 15 different industries that are represented. You've got to constantly, every time someone comes to you that's from a different industry you've never worked with, you've got to work your bum off to understand that industry to be able to give them value. The amount of mental energy that takes to be able to do that can just wear you down. So, And I think, didn't you mention, was it you that was on my podcast and you mentioned that? Uh, I was definitely on your podcast and I know that we talked about this topic, so I'm guessing so. Yeah, with um, oil tankers? No, that wasn't me, not oil tankers, no. Okay. But anyway, so, um, no, it wasn't you actually, I do remember who it was. But anyway, so, yeah, so you're in a networking group, 15 different industries, but also in that room, there might be five other business coaches mm-hmm. who are all targeting that, that same group of people and they're all fighting for that for that same work. Yeah. Whereas... If you niche down and you know exactly who you want, like say me, for example, podiatrists, where do podiatrists hang out? Well, they hang out at podiatry conferences. They, they're on Facebook podiatry groups. Mm-hmm. They're really easy to find. So yeah. the amount of marketing money I have to spend to get in touch with them is really small. Yes. The amount of effort I have to, to find them, I know where they are. So I don't, there's not as much mental energy. And then when yes. I am talking to one, I already speak the language. Yes. So I'm not having to learn a whole new language and a whole new industry. So the work from my side is actually a lot easier. So you can find them faster and it's less mental stress to be able to work with them. So I had had somebody who approached me who, what was their business? I think it was was a beauty beauty salon. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to work with me and we went, you know, met up with them, had a chat and I think, oh, same sort of thing, business is business. And it was, except when they're trying to explain to me all the different equipment that they use and there's abrasion stuff on their face and peeling things. And, <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, what people really pluck from there, do they? That's, <laughs> like, isn't this supposed to be here there? Why are you plucking it? But oh. when they're explaining this, also, my, my mind is going, okay, I know I can help you, but I'm trying to get my mind around what it is that you do so I can help you the best. Yeah. Whereas if they spoke to someone who was a business coach who had a, a background in beauty, if they were talking to both of us, I know which one they would probably take and I know which one they probably should take. Yeah, yeah. And I think even more than that, when you're super, super niche down, it helps other people um, refer to you. So if someone came to me and, and said that they wanted to grow their business, like I hang out in a, in a circle where I know a lot of business coaches where if someone came to me and said, I want to grow my podiatry business, I'd say, cool, I'll introduce you to Tyson. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier. So rather than think, all right, well, there's, you know, 150 people in my circle that I could refer you to, it's I know exactly who to refer you to because that's your, that's your niche. So I think that it, it does help you to become that, that go-to authority, that trusted authority in your industry rather than just be something broad. Yeah, and you, can, you probably can charge more. Mm. Yeah, d- depending on yeah, what your, your needs and wants are. But I know some podiatrists that have uh, like a broad spectrum, sounds like an antibiotic, a broad spectrum business coach. And that business coach, you say, never worked with a podiatrist before. That business coach now has to figure out what is podiatry. Yes, it, it's true that business is business. And I think it's like the 80 20 rule that we always say 80% of it is probably exactly the same. It's that 20% difference that someone who's industry specific 
or who is in a niche will understand it more than anybody else. Yeah. And it's that twenty percent that can take the business from being good to great. It's that yeah. tw- you can have a good business, but to make it a great business, I think being that having that industry understanding is quite helpful. Love it. So anyone listen to this, if you if you've got a skill in a certain area, just use it and don't be scared to dig right down into that area. Doesn't mean give up everything else, but just start getting into it. Yeah, because there's different ways that you can bring in that and your own uniqueness. It sometimes another person will help you to see, well, there are these other three other things. How do they all come together to create something unique? So, but it's even like with podcasting, I've had a number of people approach me recently about doing coaching for podcasts, you know, like help them set up a podcast. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mind doing that because it's, it's fun and it's another area that I've been doing for a couple of years now. I've got the hang of it. I know sort of what I'm doing. So, but I know that I can actually help them get from where they are up to where they need to be. And then if they want to go beyond that, then they probably, it's just experience. Totally. So Tyson, for people that are listening that want to stay connected with you or learn more about what it is that you do, where do they go? Best place, go to my website, tysonfranklin.com or stalk me on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook. So just look for Tyson E. Franklin. I think I'm the only Tyson E. Franklin. We'll pop it all in the show notes anyway. Yeah, I I get a lot of people that I do not know who will send me a friend request on Facebook. And I normally go and look at it and they look normal. How are we connected then? Hang on. How are we connected? How how did you sneak through? But yeah, I look at them. If they look normal, and I have a look in the and I have a look at the business stuff, and I look at the stuff they're posting, and I go, "Well, I like what this person's doing." I have no problems at all connecting with people that way. But if nice. I get a random one and uh, I look at it, and we do not have one connection in common, I go, "Okay, that's a bit of a worry." <laughs> <laughs> oh well, Tyson, thanks so much for coming back onto the show. No, this has been great. I've really enjoyed it. I th- yeah. I, like I said, when you asked me to come back on, I said, "I think this one will be better than the first one." Yeah, and it has been. It has I think, been. I think it has been as well. I've, we shared more on this one than what we shared on the other one. Definitely. And I think we got into the niching a little bit more, which is Definitely. great. Definitely. Yeah, I think that this episode is probably double the length than our first one. It was great. You've shared heaps about niching. I know that um, I'm, I'm really pleased that you shared what you did because it's a topic that a lot of people, you know, it's something that a lot of people are afraid to do. And you're like the poster child to show, well, actually... I did this, but this worked better. So thanks for sharing your stories. I really appreciate it. No, not a problem. Thank you for having me back on. (laughs) Thanks, Tyson. Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community especially for thought leaders and experts just like you and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders in a Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favourite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast Click on your favorite episode and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.